Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. And I am flying solo today, recording from St. Louis, Missouri. Our last four episodes actually came with me back in Sioux City and uh, in the saddle with Father Crotty, teaming up as a, as a pair. And we are really privileged to have today from the Diocese of Bismarck a special guest with us, Father Joshua Eli. Father Eli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I love that applause. Yeah. Our thunderous audience here with us in the room. <laughs> it's good to have you here, Thanks. Father. Thanks. You are in town for the SEAT conference. I am, I am back in St. Louis. Uh, this was the seedbed for me, mm-hmm. the, the beginning of my uh, formational journey. So a year and a half uh, pre-theology at beautiful Kenrick Seminary. And so just delighted to be back in St. Louis. So many fond memories, and uh, at, a, at a, not a small or insignificant event. Either. No, no, you've brought a lot of people down from Bismarck. Um, you, Mary, is one of like the host campuses, and certainly Monsignor Shea is one of the headlining speakers here from the You, Mary campus uh, in Bismarck. Um, but this is not a small event. There's over 20,000 people here. Um, Focus does a nice job putting on this annual event each winter for college students, Focus missionaries, and even those who are just serious about uh, evangelization and discipleship and parish models. So it's, it's good to have you in town. Thank you. Yeah, well, great to be back in town. Great to be with you. You and I um, go back a few years, um, having started, uh, studied theology together. We're in seminary together. And uh, eventually we're back in graduate studies again. You oh, know, yeah. Went back in uh, the fall of 13. You and I were back in studies. I was doing fundamental theology. You were doing canon law. And you use your canon law degrees in, in very concrete and pastoral ways with people in the Diocese of Bismarck, especially helping uh, those people with you know, um, marriage issues and those needing annulments. Um, and given that this is an outcast Catholic podcast episode, that we really are always speaking into those who are feeling outcast from the church or who think that the church is completely out to lunch and an outcast from mainstream society, I just want to get your perspective as a canon lawyer uh, when it comes to marriage issues. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hot button issue for so many people. It strikes deeply to the core of identity and family relations. Um, so let's just launch into this, all right? As a pastor, as a canon lawyer, someone comes up to you and says, Father, my marriage failed. What's the first thing that's going through your mind when someone says that or when they're interpreting their life perspective from the position of failure? Well, the first thing that happens in me is, is uh, what, what I don't believe to be a movement of my own heart. I'm certain it's not. Uh, it's a movement in the heart of Jesus to, uh, I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. I want to walk with you. I want to help you. Uh, I think the Greek word is splunknitsomai. Oh, uh, fancy. Mark uses it, yes. And, <laughs> and try spelling that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it means moved from the, we, we translate it, it was moved with, with compassion, but it's moved from the very core of his being. Mm. I think Mark uses it 12 times. It appears in other, but it's this, like, I'm, you're sitting in front of me, those of you listening and me in that situation, and it's just the, from the very core of his being. His guts. Jesus is his guts. Yeah. His heart has moved, and I experience that. Uh, and I experience that uh, just in general, but also I've been very much in the specific. I have friends who are in this situation. I have parishioners who are in this situation, and um, my family has also been in this situation. Mm. Uh, 
just before Christmas of this year, uh, my almost 91-year-old grandfather uh, took his last breath, mm. and I had the, the privilege, the bittersweet um, honor of, of burying him mm. on the 27th of December. My sympathies. Thank you. The reason I'm sharing this is um, my grandfather uh, had a, a, male, a marriage that failed after 25 years, mm. <clears throat> and he knew uh, that it was, it was difficult, and uh, my whole, whole family felt it. Uh, he remarried, and he knew that that was complicated, uh, but he loved uh, his, his second wife. He never stopped going to Mass, uh, I think on some occasions even daily, but mm. every Sunday, uh, and just waited with the Lord and kept a relationship alive with the Lord notwithstanding his interesting circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I experienced through my grandfather how the love of Jesus can persist and penetrate and dwell in a very difficult uh, and painful, at a very human level, but also from the level of the church. Mm -hmm. But he never felt outcast. Mm. Uh, And he spoke a gospel to me and to the family. Uh, It was only many years later. That was so he went about 30 years um, in that situation, and then and then finally approached uh, the church, and it was actually was granted in a declaration of nullity, which we can certainly talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had the, the, then the privilege of, of uh, assisting at that convalidation. And of your grandfather's time, wedding, I, new I, wedding. I, vows, I married huh? my grandpa. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not me personally. <laughs> you witnessed. I wit- yeah. your grandpa getting yeah. married. <laughs> yeah, to my step grandma, and the same ceremony that she was. Um, received into the church, confirmed, and then oh, she had her first communion. He had his, uh, and this was in 2013, so he was 80 years old Wow! at that point. And this was 10 years before. So he had good, you know, 10 years where he was, uh, in a sense, regularized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that, you know, as, a, as a, uh, an example of, that tr- gives me tremendous hope. Mm. And not only that, you know, whether we, the, the, the process is, is, is introduced um, or completed or, or positive, but just those 30 years mm-hmm. when, when Grandpa found himself in a, in, a, in a situation that he didn't desire at the beginning, just like any couple that, that finds himself in, in, a, in a situation where marriage has failed. Nobody gets married and thinking it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. That stuff happens. What happens, the heart and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ moves so powerfully toward those who are willing to say, I'm not going to, you're not abandoning me and I'm not going to abandon you. Now, if there are people in the church, and if any of you are listening, have ever been, ever been hurt in any way from someone in the church, that's not Jesus, and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, words, gestures, actions, because we can we can get ahead of ourselves and, and priests and, and others. Uh, but, but Grandpa never left uh, Jesus, and nor did he leave the, 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 the confines, the, the visible and physical confines of the church. And the community there. And the community there, and... He experienced Jesus even though he didn't receive communion for those 30 years. Mm. And he knew he was close. And mm-hmm. so, again, he spoke a, a tremendous um, message, a gospel to me of, of how powerfully present Jesus can be and how much he wants. I mean, look at read the gospels. I mean, it's all there. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always, the gospel doesn't always play itself out. Mm-hmm. We don't allow it mm-hmm. in our circumstances, but very powerfully, very clearly, um, that took place. And it's just been. Uh, in his passing, uh, just wonderful these, these last uh, couple weeks, we can have to be able to reflect mm. and just to see uh, how Grandpa lived, and he died a very holy death. 
uh, and it was a great honor to, 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 to speak so well of him, who knew Jesus through these very difficult uh, circumstances. Um, so and that would be one of the, you know, the primary things that's the takeaway for me that I would want people to know is you are not further from Jesus, and he's not further from you. In fact, you may be as close to him. You may be probably closer to him than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, things are hunky-dory for the most part. <laughs> uh, and that, that's the first thing, is that that movement of the heart of Jesus, and I saw that lived out very concretely, you know, for the last uh, 40 years of my grandfather's life, 30 of which he was in an irregular situation mm-hmm. uh, and wasn't receiving communion but never uh, allowed the enemy to, to sow the seeds of, of doubt, despair, discord, and you know, you're, you're not good enough. There's no place for you. Mm-hmm. That's the work of the enemy. Uh, so that's, the, that's one of the first things that, that happens is just knowing that, that regardless of, of where things go, uh, that is so powerfully present when, when I, I, I encounter people in that situation. And I, I thank my grandfather for, for, for coaching me in that. He didn't even know he was doing it. Um, but he did. Mm-hmm. He spoke a tremendous gospel. So that would be number one. What a beautiful you witness know. for you, for his family, for his life, for all the neighbors that he encountered, the parishioners there. Yeah, uh, a real beacon of hope. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the second thing that happens is, is then there's the, there's the desire then in me, to, which I think is also from Jesus. Can we help? Mm-hmm. And that leads us down you know, a multitude of, 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 of possibilities. And I don't know, we don't have time to get into everything, but... Uh, that's what happens in me as a pastor uh, for the flock and as a friend to people who are in those situations is Jesus is so close to you. And then number two, well, maybe there's, is there something we can do? Are you interested? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think once that love is received and that acknowledgement, oh, we're okay. Uh, we're not separated. Uh, life is messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for us all, that was one of the beautiful messages that we're getting that you know, we heard this week seek mm-hmm. uh, i think they're doing a great job and it's it just to see the people around and say yeah we're, we're all a mess mm-hmm. marriage failed that doesn't make you any more of a mess than me uh we all have them and jesus moves so powerfully there so um now that would be i think the that's beautiful response for me you know my my experience and i'm sure father you've had this same experience when working with parishioners in marriage counseling or those who are actually seeking an annulment um it's such tender ground. Um, such vulnerabilities can come up because it it, it can um, expose one to past wounds, mm-hmm. especially if they felt like they were abused in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it can expose one vulnerably to say, did I discern my vocation incorrectly? Mm-hmm. Did I discern wrongly that this was my spouse for life mm-hmm. and that they were a gift from God? Uh, certainly it raises lots of questions uh, when people start to wonder, well, if I get an annulment, does that mean all of the children that that first marriage you know produced were are are, are now you know illegitimate? Mm-hmm. Um, these are tender, vulnerable questions for people, yes. and there can be a lot of misconceptions with that. Uh, but just by having a, an open door policy to say, can we talk through this, and can we be here to assist you and make some clarifications so that you're not wandering around in the world of stereotypes or hypotheticals but you can really concretely understand what is the church's teaching on marriage and what can the church offer you if you feel like you're in an irregular situation, especially for those 
who are seeking to get married again or who have gotten married civilly outside of the church in a second union, which is, it sounds like what your grandfather experienced. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. That, that number one you know, is, uh, is to be attentive to the, the voice of the enemy. Uh, and I don't, it, it used to be canonically, so we're now we're getting in the, can- in the old book, um, 1917, which needed an update in 1983. It got a good one. And this was a, one of the fruits of the Second Vatican Council was to move away from this language of, of illegitimate or bastard children. My grandpa still believed that. Mm. And I think that was part of his hesitance in approaching uh, the, uh, the church to examine his marriage in, in, the, in the, the annulment process. Uh, and again, I was able to sit him down with my dad. And I, if, this, if this goes through, that, that whole notion, grandpa, that you grew up with, is, it's, it's not true. It wasn't intended to be a, just, a, a, a judgment on the persons, it was an, an older way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, back in the 1917, 1920, you know, force was very rare. And mm-hmm. okay, and the church just you know gave these titles to them. That went away, mm-hmm. but somehow lingered. And I think the enemy was able to use that. And be, Don't do this, uh, you know, or then you know, your children will be illegitimate and all that. And I, we just wanted, was able to sit down with the grandpa and say, none of that's true. We're at a different time, and even the law of the church has adjusted to meet the needs of the, of the time. Mm-hmm. And he eventually was, in, was able to overcome that, and that freed him then to approach the church. Uh, but it was a, a major factor for him, mm-hmm. uh, given the time that he grew up in. Um, and so that was, you know, the first one there. <clears throat> and then the, uh, the, it is very fur, tender ground, as you said, and, and, and the wounds there. Um, but did not allow, uh, you know, again, the enemy to deceive one to, to, to live in those, in those past thoughts and regrets, right? Um, Jesus wants our present mess and situation and vulnerabilities and love and, and doesn't want us to look back at and wonder. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So I think that would be another counsel, right? Mm-hmm. Spiritually, no, no, don't worry. This is when it's time to discern. The church will... will, will allow will examine your marriage and on very forensic and concrete grounds but as far as living in the past and regret it's that's the work of the enemy jesus says no we got you i'm with you right now we're moving forward mm-hmm. uh, so i think that would be a way of, of counseling then as we would then lead into um if we could for someone who was willing to, to take a look at that at their uh, marriage through the annulment process which i said is kind of a scientific forensic we're looking at one moment in time when uh, the vows were made and then the, the situation that's surrounding it, it does open up a lot of wounds. Mm-hmm. It can be extremely painful, and we know that, and uh, it's kind of inevitable in the process. Fortunately, uh, for many, if, if, if we're allowed and if we do a good process for the people and we tend to care for them, and that's always the work that we need to do more in our, in our tribunals where the, the annulment process is run, uh, but a lot of healing too, as those sure. as those scabs are pulled open, then mm-hmm. uh, grace can rush in. Yeah, and I've talked to many mm-hmm, who have said, "Oh, it was terrible, Father." But in the middle of it, I was being ripped apart. Uh, but now and again, especially if there's faith, and there's usually faith propelling or you know, mm-hmm. moving someone to even approach the church for an moment. Maybe it's desire to get back and make things regular or whatever it is. Whatever the Lord's working. And then the flood of grace comes in, and then there's a realization, I'm actually better now, because that's what grace does to us, mm-hmm. right? Goes into a wound, heals it up. There might still be a scar, but there's, there's strength, there's a newness. Uh, and so many have received tremendous healing, 
but by its first by way of tre- tremendous pain, yeah. which is the human way, and we it's it's hard for us to avoid that. So, yeah, to those who are willing to to go down that road, and we do the best we can to to, to accompany pastorally in those moments. Uh, to those who are able to do that and willing, uh, there's a lot of fruit that can come from it. Mm-hmm. You know. And the the process of the annulment is not designed to be painful, right? It's not designed to be this torture chamber. Um, what can be painful is working through um, false expectations, false ideals, um, insults, abuse situations that have never been touched before, and they have just been suppressed, mm-hmm. and uh, they continue to fester, and and the, the the pus and the bacteria of that, so to speak, has to be flushed out. Yes. And and the annulment process, as you've seen, as I've seen it for people, can be very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It can be very healing. It certainly begs the question uh, when others get kind of aggressive with us and say, well, why do I need your tribunal? What is your piece of paper and your declaration that says my first marriage was not uh, sacramental or valid in the church's eyes? What do I need this piece of paper certifying that I'm free to get married in the church? Who are you on your tribunal to get, grant me a stamped piece of paper to tell me I'm good to go for a new sacrament in the church? I've had people get very aggressive with mm-hmm. me on that. Um, it, and that sometimes includes a lack of like a, a sacramental imagination of, of what the sacramental life is sure. about. Mm-hmm. It also probably is a misplaced understanding of what the role of the church's authority is in our lives as Holy Mother Church seeking to grant us a fullness of graces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of curious, how do you respond to those folks who get aggressive in that way? Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the church is the custodian of these sacraments instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church. Uh, and so, therefore, that's what grants us the authority right, from mm-hmm. Jesus and understanding to be able to examine a sacrament um, in, in a legal way. What I, yeah, what I would, would, would say to them is that we're, we're just we're here to help. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's why the, the church even has it. It's, it's, this is an average, it's a tribunal of, of mercy. Now, truth has to always guide it, but it ends up being one, when I work in it, and a lot of cases are granted, not all of them. It's not a guarantee. Uh, but regardless, even when it's not granted, that I'd say we're doing this because this is a work of mercy, mm-hmm. uh, and it, so that healing can come about. And that would be my encouragement to someone who's, you know, what, what's this going to do? Well, maybe it'll maybe it'll heal something in you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll actually help. You know, just like anything, like you said with the pus and the bacteria, there's stuff. There's a mess in there. Mm-hmm. What if we go and clean it out? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be my my I think my invitation to them to say. This doesn't seem. Well, I wouldn't say it directly, but you sound, you know, people who seem a little angry. That's a, that's a red flag that something's not, not good. Mm-hmm. Deep down, and, for, and, and for, we completely understand, you know, this major life project has failed. No wonder there's a mess in there. There's pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that anger is usually an expression of that. So maybe that would be you know, an opportunity to, to invite them. So well, maybe we can help. Let's give this a shot. But uh, then I'd you know, want to start praying mm-hmm. intensely for them. I'm also curious to know your perspective. Um, we're running out of time here, but I just want to get your perspective. I have met folks who have been invited to be part of an annulment process unwillingly. Um, and it's not because they just don't want to deal with the church. It's because they actually don't want to declare their first marriage uh, invalid or annulled. Um, they themselves are still fighting for their marriage, and their spouse left them in a variety of circumstances, and they still want their spouse back, and they want to be faithful to their vows. 
And, and any encroachment on the church, they feel is very threatening to them. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I stood up there in good conscience and I made my vows and I knew exactly what I was committing to. And I don't think the church has any right to tell me that my wedding vows were somehow null and void. Um, any words of advice to those listeners? Yeah, I would say I understand. And that's, that's a very difficult spot to be in. And I've mm-hmm. experienced those two where one spouse really honors it. And, and it's beautiful. I'd say it's good. You, you meant your vows. And that's really good. That's what it was supposed to be. Uh, and so the first to affirm that, good, I, I hear you. You didn't want this thing to fail. But then to step back from that and say, well, what the marriage sacrament, it's two wills, mm-hmm. two free persons standing before God and the civil authority. And that's why we're allowed here in the United States to, to witness on behalf of the civil authority also. So saying, I hear you, but just remember that day there were two of you there mm-hmm. and the other one you can't control and I couldn't control and the priest that day couldn't fix for whatever reason and you did this in, in front of, of, of God, which then is that handing over of, of authority in a sense to this. And you also did it in front of the civil authority. Mm. Uh, so as much as you wanted it, uh, I'm sorry. you know. And that's what, what uh, allows us then to, to say, well, if the other person is, is, is seeking it, that we would come in and, 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 and examine it. Um, but I would, I would certainly um, affirm the person in their, in their desire, but also remind them that marriage is, is for the good of uh, the common good. And so it, it takes two. And it often is that one uh, that maybe has a propensity of the, uh, of, of the evidence toward the fact that something, was, something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Something was lacking. From the beginning. From the beginning. And that's yeah. painful. And we can look and we can, I don't ever, it's, it, the more I do these cases, the, the more it's family of origin and it's tragedy and mm-hmm. it's the effects of, of, of mental you know, strain and, and duress. And, Sometimes trauma. And, and, and anomalies, psychic anomalies. We call them, you know, there, there was actually something at the level of the intellect or the will that just, that just fell upon this person that made them kind of incapable and unable, unable to know and, 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 and do the things that they we're saying, and it's just it's just a sad reality. And and you have two people mm-hmm. with two intellects and two wills in one moment in time. That uh, even if one is is was firm, uh, marriage is it's it, it's an amazing thing. I have tremendous respect for it, but it, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. They tell me, yeah. Well, Father, I know we're short on time here, and you need to get back to your folks here in St. Louis who are attending the Sea Conference. Um, let me just say publicly thank you to you and all those in, in canon law out there. Uh, it's not always the most glamorous and the most rewarding field of study. You've taken time out of your own priesthood by request of your bishop to give um, time and energy to the studies of the Code of Canon Law and its pastoral applications for the church and, and this work that so many canon lawyers do around the world in tribunals uh, to really uh, bring about these acts of mercy to help people understand their marriage state and to try and regularize as many to the sacramental life of the church, it's, it's crucially important. And you canon lawyers do not get enough uh, public attention and, and signs of gratitude for that. So thanks for your, your accompaniment of so many people behind the scenes in these quiet but key ways, and uh, keep up the great work. And it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for your time. It. Thanks for that. And when, one last word to your listeners. Just, yeah, we, the more I've done this, the more I've grown out of, out of love and respect, uh, especially for those in, in difficult situations. And so we're here for you. Um, we, your canon lawyers, we love you, mm-hmm. uh, the members of the church, and we want to be here for you. 
Awesome. Well, Father Eli, thanks again. Best of luck to you and your ministry in the Diocese of Bismarck, and let's keep one another in prayer. God thanks. bless. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.